All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is James Payne. I'm Dalton Gray. I'm Ryan Humphreys. And today uh, we are sitting down with our very good friend and one of the sponsors of this Northern Hunter platform, Mr. Troy Sessions of the 60 Inch Club. Thank you for uh, making some time to hang out with us today. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thanks for the invite. It's finally. Uh, Got the time to to get on here and uh, sit down with you guys and uh, go over some some of the best topics I like to talk about and that's hunting. So um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, us us too. If nobody's figured that out yet, right. <laughs> <laughs> just but, a little. <laughs> well, and you know, and I'm really excited to to talk to you and bring you onto the show. We've been meaning to for a while now. We've yeah. Just had some scheduling conflicts, but uh, you know, because you you really provide some some really quality hunting opportunities for people that they you know might otherwise just dream of or you know take several trips or several attempts to do before getting anything close and i think what you do and the way you do it is really really awesome so um before we get kicked in you know i really want to give people an idea of kind of who you are what your background is um and who they're going to be hunting with or you know having set up their hunt um so why don't we uh before we get into too much of your background, just go over quickly what the 60, cl- 60 inch club kind of offers and, and what people can expect, and, and then we'll get into your background more. Well, you know, 60 inch club, um, it started from me doing a lot of hunting up north and, and uh, seeing, um, you know, a lot of the, ma- you know, the major guides and outfitters out there hunting areas that um, I no longer would even, even think of hunting anymore because I knew there weren't any big animals there. Mm. And I was thinking how, wow, that, why, how can I give a normal Joe, a DIY hunter, the same amount of success, if not better, than, than you know, a guided, outfitted hunt? How can I do that? Mm. And that's when I decided, you know, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I've got so many areas that I've been hunting. I can't hunt them all anymore. They're awesome. I mean, I got five to ten. I got ten areas, 11 and 12 throwing caribou. I'm not, nice. I'm one guy. So I'm going to open that up to people and, and that I know these are exceptional areas because I've been flying for over 25 years and scouting and looking. And I know I found the best areas that I could find mm. um, with thousands of hours of flight time and, and landing on these virgin gravel bars that most pilots are smarter than me to not land on. 
the, I would <laughs> I would get in there and scout and glass and climb the hills and do the you know do the groundwork as well. So yeah, and that that's that leveled the playing field that I can offer a normal DIY hunter a really special place that to put their boots to the ground on. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and that's you know looking at the the track record you you've got. Uh, with the hunters that have come out with you and and whatnot, I mean, it's it definitely seems like something you're doing is working. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Oh, oh, oh. oh uh, I was going to say, you know, they've gone out with me that we offer a, a DIY only service, and you get the hunting locations um, that we've been at and we've hunted and we've tested, and we've got the video and the pictures to show you our actual mm-hmm. hunts on location. So you don't have to just listen to me. And wonder if I'm telling feeding you a line of bull or not. You're gonna you here's the videos. Here's yeah. me, here's the hill, here's the video, here's me calling them in, here's a dead moose. Yeah. You know, yeah. here we're yeah. butchering it up and now we're gonna we're gonna take it home, we're gonna eat it, share it with the friends and family. And and people like that. They like to know you you put proof to your words and there's value in that and people enjoy that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. especially, you know, at a, at something that's you know not only daunting as far as the adventure itself goes, but you know, the, that cost of entry to get into Alaska. Mm-hmm. I mean, your, your flights and your gear and everything like that that goes into it. I mean, to, to be able to see the proof, you know, that, mm-hmm. okay, this is a good spot. That's, yeah. that's pretty yeah. awesome setup. Yeah. yeah so they know, they know going in that this, it's an excellent spot. They, yeah. When they get there, they've already seen it all on by the videos that I've, I've shown them. They know where the camps are. They know what the hill looks like. They know what that tree is going to be. They know mm-hmm. that stack of wood over there. I cut that, you know, however many years ago, and it didn't wash <laughs> away from the river, and, or, or one of my buddies did. You know, it's just amazing that uh, they know that they've been there. And I, I got to tell you, that came from my military background, because mm. yeah. in the military, I mean, we're talking high level military here. When you go into, you know, your tier two operators and special forces, and then this was taught on, on right there um, in Elmendorf. It's it's uh, right there in Fairbanks, um, and you go into these rooms and they show, they teach you how to infiltrate countries and you will go in and they have, you know, people on the ground in these countries and they're videoing the bad guy at this door with a pink handle and they video that. And those are our operatives actually watch that stuff. And before they even get sent over there, they know what that door looks like. They know what the dude looks like and they know it's a pink handle. And that's what we offer. We offer high level video to substantiate where you're going. Yeah. 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 That's great. I, I think it's particularly interesting that you, uh, that you made a point about early on, you saw other outfitters and guides back in the day that were advertising and contracting hunts and taking people into the field into areas that you felt like you could do it better. Now, just for the sake of containment and, uh, and, and the laws that surround the guiding world, guides don't have the ability to every year switch areas, right? No, I know they, it. they sure don't. They have their guide use areas. They're locked into their spots. And so while they do have good areas, at, at least a lot of them do, um, you have the ability, not being a guide or outfitter, to say, well, I have a dozen different spots that I can send people on DIY trips and completely facilitate their hunts non-guided, mm. but... If, if, if hunting gets bad in one spot, I can just move that camp and, and, and quit, quit dropping guys there and I can just put them over somewhere else. 
Mm. And you have that freedom of flexibility to, to really put them anywhere in the state that you have a good spot to put them. And that, that that's that's kind of what gives the DIY hunt planner its unique advantage over guiding for those that don't need a guided hunt. Because some people, they do need a guided hunt. They do need someone there to, to completely facilitate all that happens on the hunt from beginning to end. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but there are a lot of guys that don't want to spend that twenty-five thousand plus dollars. I mean, it, I mean, come on. For, <laughs> a lot for all practical purposes here, you spend twenty-five thousand dollars on a moose hunt. How many thousands of dollars do you spend getting all of it home, mm-hmm, if right. you can even afford to get it home, and then on taxidermy after that? Yeah. So you're looking at upwards of thirty thousand dollars plus for a moose hunt nowadays. Oh, if you shoulder mount more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, shoulder mount. You're looking at forty five hundred or somewhere yeah. around that ballpark. Right, yeah. right, easily. And so for folks that don't want to go that um, that route, just because of the expense of it, if you can handle the DIY hunt, I don't know if there's a better option than what sixty inch club offers. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's putting you in those prime areas that you've been to. That like you said, you have the guaranteed proof that look, there are moose here. I've killed them. I've called them in. And here's the last 15 guys that have done it after me that have never been there before. But show them the yeah, pictures and, you know, and the video and you just go from there. Exactly. You know, and and not to say that, you know, there's some there are so many excellent outfitters out there in Alaska that that do a great yeah. job. And I've got many of them that are friends of mine. And um, but uh, ironically, yeah, they're only limited to three units. Right. And that's the best they can do is, there's, you know, three units. And then quite often when they're getting taught to to get their to change their class A to, uh, guide license into a full outfitter, they got to get licensed by that outfitter, and they mm-hmm. got to start off hunting in that guy's in that outfitter's location before mm-hmm. they can test and move on to new locations. And how do you find and scout new locations if you're not getting out there to hunt them like like right. you're doing with your outfitter? Right. right. So it's right. A, it's a tough deal to even move to get into another location and and know where um, where to go. And that's where. Me being a, um, a sport, you know, me being a DIY hunter at heart, um, and I've, I've held my guide license, my, my class A, um, and um, it's, it's, I, you get, as a DIY hunter, I can scout everywhere. And yeah. I would scout areas that did not have any outfitters in the area. And you can look that up. We're out, we're guided outfitters, yeah. like GMUs right. that they're, they're guiding and what their names are. And you can, you can kind of, you know, isolate you know units that aren't being guided that way which you don't need to it's mostly about scouting but um yeah i i and again i don't move people mm-hmm. i uh it's more about you get the here's this location that's been proven for so many years and we got locations that that like, like this year we opened up two new locations that never been hunted in the last 20 years and i know it because i fly the areas i, I don't see mm-hmm. the camps they're not there they're not getting hunted and i see and I, and I, you know, I know they're good geographical locations and proofs mm-hmm. in the, in the pudding. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into a little bit about your, your background. Let's see who you are, what, you know, kind of how you got into this world of, of guiding or, or not guiding, but DIY hunting. Um, or you said you've done some guiding in the past, so maybe we can talk about that too. But, um, yeah, let's, let's go with, I mean, all the way back, you know, where'd you grow up? Um, kind of. How'd you get into kind of the outdoors life and and kind of this whole world we all love being a part of? Well, my, my, you know, mo- like with most of you guys, my journey started with my father and his love to, for deer hunting and, and rainbow fishing and taking me out fishing. And, 
Um, they're in Montana and Wyoming, and they're in Byron, Wyoming, actually. is I've got a lot of home family and roots that come out of Byron, Wyoming. <clears throat> and um, deer hunting in the fields and then trapping became, became a real big deal and a big outlet for me as a, as a young kid to, to get out and maybe put a little bit of coin in my pocket um, mm-hmm. trapping and, and skinning and learning, you know, the basics of skinning animals and, and, and trapping them and knowing how, you know, animals work and their behavior and, and, and how to set a snare to, for a fox or a coyote was the biggest thing. I used to, I couldn't <laughs> sleep at night just waiting to be, to get up at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning in the dark to go out and check my beaver traps or my fox traps. And, oh, I loved yeah. it. I, I loved yeah. it. And, and so that, that led to, um, Growing up on the Yellowstone River and did a lot of whitewater rafting and um, mm. getting used to how to navigate rivers and and we'd get so bored using the regular whitewater rafts we would we would take our canoes down these the rapids just to see if we could stay afloat. <laughs> I mean it became boring. It was like if you didn't flop over at least once, you, you weren't having fun. But, <laughs> right. Um, and and so yeah, I mean then it came in elk hunting uh, and and. The biggest change in being coming uh, maybe a higher level style of hunter was taking up bow hunting. Mm. That, that was a game changer because I had to learn how to get in closer. And more importantly, I had to learn how to start calling. Yeah. And calling is the name of the game to get mm. them in close or to get them a moose, especially to get into you. Um, and then you learn how you can even call caribou. You can, you can and then came decoys. And how to bring in, you know, mm-hmm. antelope and, and caribou come into decoys. And we have raising a simple white flag in the air, even a handkerchief, can bring caribou to you. Yep. And you mm-hmm. just, people don't realize that. <laughs> yeah. you know, holding yeah. your bow above your head and swaying it, here come a caribou. They're, they're curious. Yeah. And so yeah. bow hunting at leveled the playing field, and that changed the whole dynamics of, of I had to get good at hunting if I'm going to be successful with a bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and bugling for elk is where it was at, and deer, my mule deer, and chasing goats with a bow, um, which I was never successful with the goat, but we tried, <laughs> we tried a lot. <laughs> hey, well, that's that's uh, most of the fun, anyways, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, long story short, a um, desert storm started, and it pissed me off enough to where I wanted to join and be a part of the fight, and I joined the go. United States Air Force. And uh, later was sent uh, overseas and uh, to Desert Storm, spent some tours over there fighting um, in the military with um, with F-15 fighter jets, Uh, not as a pilot, but as a as a as a munitions specialist on uh, aircraft weapons systems specialist for F-15s, F-16s, A-10s, you know, the Warthogs, you know, ground dropping ground pounders and bombs and air to air missiles and you name it, uh, aim nine missiles and just had to know a whole, all the arsonery that we put on, mm-hmm. that, on them, them fighter jets from air to air to, to ground and pound. Wow. Mm. Wow. So that, that sounds like an interesting job there. <laughs> yeah. It was, it brought me to Alaska is what it did. did. It? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You and got stationed so up here. Yeah. I did. I got stationed at Elmendorf Air Force Base. Okay. Uh, I was part of the 54th fighter squadron. Um, and, uh, on F-15 fighter jets for nice. four years. And what year yeah. did you get sent up to Almendorf? 1992 to 92. 96. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, part of that was going off to tech school, um, in, uh, Denver, Colorado. 
and, mm -hmm. you know, spending quite a bit of time, you know, schoolwork and electrical work to figure out how to, the wiring system and schematics, guide diagrams and everything for them, fighter jets to troubleshoot them and fix them and get them in the air to where when they pull the trigger, they're going to shoot off an air, you know, an AIM-9 <laughs> missile. It's a yeah. heat-seeking missile, and it's not going to misfire. Yeah, <laughs> they need that missile most. So, yeah. or the or the twenty-one A one, you know, gun that's that's on there. That's amazing, and the 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 bullets are they're a foot and a half long. Yeah, and they're, they're amazing, and <laughs> what they do with those. So, yeah, that was amazing to to get sent up in, to Alaska um, and be a part of the military and actually serve during wartime in Desert Storm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well, one, thank you for your service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank there. you. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I wonder if there's a statistic, I'm sure there is, on like how much of Alaska's population is just vets that decided to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so kind of a on lot. that note, <laughs> yeah, a you lot, said yeah. that, yeah, you said that 92 to 96, you were at Elmendorf. Did you get out after that and stay up here or did you uh, go back to the lower 48 after the 96 tour? Well, the commander at Elmendorf Air Force Base, this is pretty standard for people that they want to keep in, but they write you a letter and say, I'd like for you to stay and re-up. And I, I consider that heavily knowing that it's coming from the commander, which is usually, you know, a colonel. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I said, yeah, I'll probably do it if I can stay in Alaska. And, and it turned out that I couldn't do it. And uh, so I got out of the Air Force at that <laughs> time. And I, and I was able to be hired on at the Alaska Railroad. Uh, mm. which later led to becoming a locomotive engineer, a conductor, um, oh, nice. all of it. I did over 17 years on the Alaska Railroad. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I bet that took yeah. you out to some wild places. I've driven every, every train and every engine and every piece of track <laughs> on the Alaska Railroad as a conductor <laughs> and as a locomotive engineer, yeah. um, including run down and, and uh, hit a few... Uh, critters along the way oh yeah uh, i'm sure some I've heard the and some bears and yeah you know, i've heard the railroad especially what was that two years ago when we had yeah. that real heavy rain in the middle yeah. of winter yeah the real bad um, ice storm there were a lot of moose killed on the railroad that year because yeah. they were there was that mm -hmm. ice layer on the snow and so they were using it for easy access yeah i was yeah. um with some friends down a few years ago uh down north uh, they have a cabin north of Telkeetna. And there's a spot they took me to on the railroad out there. They said was the uh, last spot in North America you can wave the train down and jump on. Yeah, flagship <laughs> trains. Yeah, it's it gravel, just a gravel pad. And there's some other people that lived out there full time, so that's how they'd run back and forth. Mm -hmm. and get their really? Jobs. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, we would throw um, a lot of our a lot of our conductors would throw out newspapers for them. Gotcha. On, on every one of our trips. <laughs> yeah, we'd drop them off. There's nice. it's called ferry. There's one of the drop offs is a ferry. Nice. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, if you want to know how fast a black bear can run, I run one down with my train at 41 miles an hour. No, I'm sorry. Oh, a man. A, a grizzly bear, 41 miles an hour. And I was coming up on him, coming up on him. And I had my brakes on full. We were a mile and a half long train. Mm. And I slowed down from 55 down to 41. And I was just about to run him over. And then we leveled out. So bears can run 41 miles an hour down a railroad track. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, uh, wow. He was throwing rocks up and hitting the windshield. You know, we're, we're 15 <laughs> feet in the air. Wow. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. Huh. I had never so even happy. thought of that. 
<laughs> so happy oh, I didn't run him but, over. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, My goodness. I'm sure you've got some interesting intel That's... about some of the spots down there on the old railroad that we'll have to talk about off the air. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know where the moose are at and the bears, by the way. Yeah, I'm yes, sure. indeed. <laughs> I'm sure. You want to float or you want to walk? I can tell you where to go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Very cool. So what was... Uh, what? Was your first like dive into the Alaska outdoors when you got stationed up here? Oh, well, the first one, you know, a lot of them were just kind of like learning how to do everything and um, with ATVs. And I've quickly learned that that is not how you want to hunt in Alaska. Yeah. They are the least successful of all the alternatives out there over even walking is better mm-hmm. than an ATV because mm-hmm. people on ATVs, they don't stop. Yeah. yeah yeah they just exactly. drive and drive and drive and so that and that did that to get in you know up in the mountains and get up into doll sheep country um and hunt doll sheep and then i quickly learned that you don't climb a mountain to find doll sheep you want to know they're up there before with optics to know yes. before you climb the mountain and you see the big <laughs> you know the horns yeah. on their head before you put the effort in so yeah. um I did that for a couple of years, and then I got uh, the railroad sent me, to, forced me to Fairbanks because of low seniority. And I'll get back to where I was talking about earlier, and that was uh, Mental Flats, mm-hmm. um, where I would, I saw all the marshes over there, and had and drove a train off to the side of it out of Nenana. I knew it was a great country, and you pull up maps, and I, I did a lot of my early years. I when anybody had a story about where to go hunting. I had, you know, the old Gazetteer uh, mm-hmm. map. I mm-hmm. would open that up and say, here, where where were you, please? You know, yeah. and I would <laughs> circle around it. I'd write their name and, and I'd write down exactly what they said, um, you know, beyond this creek and I'm above that beaver dam. And, and I had, I've had, I got four Gazetters full of, of uh, oh, wow. information. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, starting from back in 92. And yeah. that all started with Clear Creek, where you go fishing for salmon. They said, Clear Creek, Talkeetna. Well, there I went. Mm-hmm. Or Little, Little Sioux sitting there, the salmon are running kind of thing. Yeah. And then uh, so that started. I got up on top of that mountain looking over Mento Flats with a spotting scope and a map. And, and I just looked for moose. And mm. I seen them. And then it was all about how can I get in to that area? And I would pull the map out and say, well, this river takes you down, you know, go up Goldstream, you know, here's the lake around and go to the right north side of the lake. That's where I'm seeing, you know, the moose. And um, this was, by the way, 28, 30 years ago. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> right, this, right. If all of you are listening right now intently thinking that that's, I haven't scouted <laughs> that area for a while. so it 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 worked out i I actually went down there i thought i saw a big bull i walked walked, went down there by myself i had to break i had to chainsaw a few uh uh, log jams along the way that had blocked the river because i was one of the first Mm. boats down the river Mm. and um i got back in there and there were moose everywhere and i i woke up to some moose on this little island i was on and um you know, the big thing there was, you know, 50 inches wide and four brow tines. Yeah. Well, I never killed a bull moose before. So I, the, I seen the bull and um, I videotaped him and took pictures of it. And I spent the whole day looking at the pictures. And I thought, well, if I see him tomorrow, I think he's 
I know he's legal. He's got four brow tines. And the next morning, I called him right to me by accident. I don't know how lucky <laughs> I got doing that. But if you don't know how to call moose, just thrash the brush a lot and stomp your feet. And you're going to call moose in. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and if he, you know, without a little grunt, maybe, you know, because they grunt and mm-hmm. snoot and cough and they do all that stuff too. And yeah. I called mm-hmm. that first bull in and all by myself. And, uh, Nice. One, one and done and packed them out all by myself. Went to work that night. <laughs> really? No <laughs> kidding. Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 That's a chore. Got right back there. just in time to go to work for the whole night shift. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's dedication yeah. right there. <laughs> Not even calling in sick. That's. <laughs> wow. I didn't want to burn that leave. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Got to gotta make good. I mean, yeah. That's... <laughs> Yeah. So that was it. And that bull, that bull ended up being, you know, if you're sitting there thinking, I'm going to shoot a moose because he's 50 inches wide and you're certain of it, boy, you better be certain of it because this bull was 49 and a half. Really? Four brow brow tines. It was the four brow tines that saved it, that made them legal. Well, and I know a lot of people that I talk to that hunt in 54 brow tine areas, they they just count brow tines. Yeah. You know, they're because they're. There's several different methods. We've talked about several on the show. I know you've actually got several videos talking about different methods and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but a lot of people just don't feel comfortable with it, especially in the moment. You yeah. know, looking If they don't have their camera <clears throat> set up to take a still picture of it or something like that. Yeah. If you can see those four brow tines, you know you're safe. Or mm-hmm. right. three, depending on your area. Right. You know, some areas are different. You know, I, yeah, if you don't know, at the end of the day, do not, take, do not pull the trigger. Yeah. It's not worth getting on the wrong side with fishing game. Those guys are out there. They love their job. They 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 love doing what they do. And and you know they don't want to they don't want to ticket people. They just want people to you know do what's right and follow the law. And right. mm-hmm. you can all go out and harvest animals and have good food in the wintertime time that way. So yeah. yeah, it's don't shoot if you don't if you're not certain. And to, on that on those lines, you can. I've learned after countless moose that, you know, I've harvested myself over the years and, and my buddies and measuring each and every one of them. And, and there is kind of a method to them that, that you, could, you can figure out. And, and really what it boils down to, unless it's an off-ball moose, is the width of the back pans. If you can look at each back pan, you know, above the ear, you know, when the ears are looking up, back there, if you can say that's a solid 10 inches, on each one, that's uh, that's um, quite often that's into that's approaching sixty inch bull. But so for sure that's a fifty inch legal bull if it's a ten inch pan on each side. You get into thirteen inches and that's a sixty seven inch bull, sixty four oh, wow. to sixty nine, um, okay. and maybe even into seventies. Wow! Mm. You know you get above thirteen inch wide pans on both sides. You're a seventy inch bull. Yeah. Mm. Now, what's your go-to method for for comparison? Do you go with the like when when you're trying to judge how wide that is? Do you go with the distance between the eyes and kind of compare the the size off that? Which is one of the ways we've been, you know, a lot of us. Yeah, it's nine inches. It. It's nine inches usually exactly between pupil to pupil. Um, yeah, normally, and then you're looking at another nine inches per ear. Um, mm. But I usually go on the inside width of the pans. The okay. back pans, yeah. and and I've seen those back pans with they range between twenty seven and thirty one inches wide. 
So you Man. take 27 inches. We'll just go with the easy math, and you add 10 inches, another 10 inches on the right side. Now you're at 37, another 10 inches on the left side. You're at 47 inches. Now mm -hmm. you only need an inch and a half tying to stick out on either side to be a 50-inch bull. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. yeah. I hadn't even thought to look at those, honestly, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so interesting way to do it. Yeah. yeah. You yeah, know, no, I, I look at I look oh. at moose now, and it's got to be is it sixty inches bull, or I'm not even interested. <laughs> I, I have more fun. I'll film that bull. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> hence the name of the club, right? I mean, yeah. That's... Well, that is where the sixty inch club. I mean, I, I went over twenty years taking a sixty inch bull consecutively before I stopped counting. Really? And I, yeah, and I and I took three seventies during the twenty years. Wow. Man. Man, yeah. <laughs> so, have you ever uh, checked them in record books or anything like that? I did one. I did yeah. one, and and uh, and that's actually the logo you see on my brand. I actually um, had that mounted on a on a pedestal okay. mount, and I put a big green screen behind it all. And I started taking. I put lighting out perfectly, and I took a snapshot. That's actually the logo. That's gotcha. the most. It's our it's our logo. Nice, very cool. Very nice. What was very the good. what was the width on that one? <laughs> You know, honestly, it was only 65 inches wide. Oh, okay, okay. And your Boone and Crockett record, I think, is 65-inch bowl. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know about the latest current one they got a couple of years ago, but um, before that, it was a 65-inch bowl, and it was just was really long, long back pans and, yeah. you know, yeah. really long brows. And for me, a trophy bowl is a, is a, is a bowl with a really thick, full brow tine. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. full brows, not not the spindly, but full up brows is what I really is a trophy bull in my book. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's very cool. It's, I, I, I think one of the neater things about moose hunting is the uh, the isolation of the genetics throughout the state. You know, if you look down, uh, say at the southwestern part of the state, you'll see a lot of really wide bulls, very heavy mass, but they don't seem to have that full cup brow tine genetic whereas if you look up like uh i don't know generally speaking like north of toke area and that part of the state you get a lot of those bulls that seem to have that real deep heavy you know front brow tine bowl almost that just mm. it, it it's almost like a second paddle that just protrudes off the front mm -hmm. of them and they, and they oh, can yeah. have just a ridiculous amount of brow tines off of that that's I, I think to me, that's that's probably the neatest kind of bowl is when you not only have those big paddles and, and the nice width, but you also have that complete brow tine package to go with it. Mm. Yeah. That's I think so too. I, I, it's just, and you can see if you get the genetic, that kind of genetics going in an area, that's that's your heads up to, to continue on, um, you know, really yeah. scouting that area. And I wrote up an article in, in Rockslide a while back, and it was about the best time to scout for moose isn't during moose season. It's mm -hmm. after. It's right yeah. afterwards. And, right, and, right. and do that for about a month at least afterwards because that's mm -hmm. going to tell you what didn't get harvested. That's going to tell you um, what you missed that you couldn't yeah. find mm -hmm. when you were out there. Yeah. And you got right. something to look forward to for next year. Cause in that, and you got a better idea on where that dude was at that you couldn't mm -hmm. find on this hunting season, but now you can. You can close that gap next year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and and to that respect too, I mean, I mean, a lot of people might not realize the rut, you know, continues into October. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we we stop hunting at the end of September, but I mean, they they depending on which area of the state they are, and if they especially if they started a little late, you know, that that can go all the way through. Yeah, 
into you know middle october and stuff and then the leaves start going away on the trees you start losing right. brush and stuff like that yep. you can mm-hmm. see farther you can see clearer yeah and they stand so, out and you can see them big old big old cardboard or big old uh pl- pieces of plywood and those antlers just sticking right out at you and it's mm-hmm. you yeah. can see them a lot easier and, and and they they will rut usually you know most biologists will say within a mile i from years and years and years of studying these i've uh I get them within a few hundred yards of year after year after year in the same area. Unless there's a no burn kidding. or there's something predator, you know, a huge predator population coming on, they'll be within, they'll be on that same lake. They'll be at the, at that same end of that same lake. That's, that's where they're going to rut. They'll be right really? in that little valley. They'll be right there in that little saddle. Um, they'll yeah. be right on the top of that hill year after year in that same spot. Hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And if you interesting. You just start tweaking and dialing and try to get them before they die of old age. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that, and, and that's, go into, you know, a little bit about, you know, you, you pointed out that you went from that, that 40, 49 and a half incher and then 20 years of 60 inches. What, what do you attribute, I mean, that, that too i mean you've talked a lot about scouting you've talked a lot about just getting out there and being among the the animals what's like the easiest way most people can do that i mean for for your average joe well the game changer was learning how to fly and yeah. you know it's it's like it's like if somebody if someone doesn't have a driver's license he's not going to get anywhere that with on a bicycle that someone's got a that's got a, a jacked up four wheel drive pickup truck it's just mm-hmm. he's not going right. to get there and right. you can try as hard as you can, but I mean, you so load that bike up into a truck. Now go down that, go as far back as you can that way or a four wheeler and then get off of that. And then maybe even throw in a rafting. And then at the end of that ATV trail, throw in that, blow up that raft or that canoe you drug in and now throw, put that in there and head several miles down that slough. People aren't willing to do all that. And that at the end of the road is where the big bulls are at. Mm-hmm. So the further yeah. you get out, whether mm-hmm. no matter what your 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 vehicle is, the better. You're, I mean, people do get lucky, and mm-hmm. moose do happen in town that are sixty inches. I mean, I'm not going to say that luck doesn't happen, but yeah, um, I it's, I'd rather uh, um, be well educated than lucky because if you're educated and prepared, luck just ha- comes your way. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. that's what you do. You you do that's what I did. I I, I learned fly. Um, I learned, I found, you know, really good hunting locations that you can hunt. <clears throat> I went ahead and used GPS waypoints as I was flying and I would, I would click them over, uh, sloughs and junctions and beaver dams. And then, you know, off this specific beaver dam, there's a lake off to the right that you'd never know when you're down there on the ground, cause you can't mm-hmm. see unless you climb a tree and you want to get over into that lake. And that's because the sign is really good there. Um, yeah. Okay. And that's, and then you plan according to that. And I mean, I've had many times where, where I was, you know, doing my jet boat hunting and I, I carried a canoe mm-hmm. and I would go fly the area first a week prior. And then I would go in with the, with the, with the jet boat. Sometimes it would, it was an eight hour run by mm-hmm. jet boat. And then, and then I, but I knew where I was going and I knew that, uh, and then I'd grab that canoe and I'd pull that where I can't, I couldn't take the jet boat anymore um, because the slough, the water run out, or maybe it's just wide enough for a slough. And then I would, I would uh, put the canoe in there and, 
I might even build a beaver dam with a tarp and, uh, and logs just to raise the water so I can float my canoe up up to the next beaver dam to get me into the lake because I knew I'm going to have to pack a moose out of there eventually and why it's easier yeah. to float them than pack them. <laughs> so I've done that. It's on video. I've done that. Yeah. That's called yeah. confidence, people. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's so, ingenuity yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. So... As a as a accomplished pilot, you go out there and you you find excellent hunting areas and you you can see you know where the moose are traveling. You can see um, even where how where the dull sheep are at and where they're traveling. You can you can mm. even see the migration routes of caribou, and mm, you can yeah. position yourself um, in front of those migration routes and and that's because they're going to come through there. They've been doing it for hundreds of years, quite often. Mm-hmm. And right. and uh, right. and then so the big game changer is, is are you good enough to land? at that spot is it too yeah. tight is it worth you know cracking up a wing or you're getting hurt or you know mm-hmm. it, so then you gotta you're like well i can't do that and you gotta yeah. be honest with yourself and then maybe down the river you can oh that gravel bar is long enough and yeah. you do a few approaches and then you land and you touch down and you're like okay so all right now i can do now i can get up on that hill and scout and glass and and I'm mm-hmm. in a location. I know. I know it's a good spot. Um, I've seen the sign. I see everything I want to see from the air, and I'm able to land. So we're here, nice. and then nobody else is going to be here. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. As hard as it was for me to get there, and yeah, it's, I don't think I'd see anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And that's well, why and our and locations that, are good. Yeah. Well, and, and that really is the biggest struggle with a lot of people that that live here and and especially when you're living in let's say anchorage or even fairbanks you know the bigger city areas of of alaska is finding those areas that nobody else has found yet yeah you know i when i'm out scouting i'm scouting for people just as much as i am for animals mm-hmm. you know and you yeah, have me to. too i mean oh, yeah i mean you know yeah. I, that i even think i mentioned that on the show at one point you know the early part of this moose season i didn't spend most of it hunting for moose or you know anything like that i was out looking i had a bunch of different places areas that i'd scouted out kind of you know on maps and e-scouting and such that i was going to go check out and my primary thing was okay tire tracks right yeah you know boot prints things like like who else has been in here what else is going on in this area like who knows this is a good spot right because if everybody right. knows it's a good spot it's not, it's not a, a good, good spot, spot anymore right. <laughs> so. right right you know when i was when i was doing the jet boats i was jumping up beaver dams I would mm-hmm. then go to the end of the beaver dam where the, the slough wasn't wide enough for the jet boat, and I would take the canoe up more beaver dams. I knew I was the only person in that area, and if you had to get to me, you had to, you had to get around my, my jet boat for starters because it was blocking the slough. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how I did it. <laughs> that's yeah. how I did it. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved, being, I loved being in those places that no one else can get to or they don't, they don't want to put the effort to, in to, get, mm-hmm. get, to right. get in there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I'd come out with, with my jet boat, me and my buddies, and I'd have, you know, you know, if there was two of us or three of us, we'd have three ginormous bowls. I threw, we threw tarp over the racks. Yeah. So nobody, yeah. so when we were coming out and we were passing boats, they didn't know we had, we were foil loaded with three giant 16 inch bowls. They didn't know. <laughs> yeah. They just saw tarp in the front of my bow completely. Just, yeah. It's all blue tarps, mm. <laughs> which I hate blue tarps. Yeah. <laughs> out, out in the woods, I, I hate blue tarps. I actually now do um, only white tarps because they look mm. like snow from the air. They looks like snow. It just oh, you know, yeah. oh yeah, it looks clean. It's not blue and and trashy and and you know like trash. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't <laughs> yeah. thought about that, but yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you so look what, down and you're going, is that snow? Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Already? <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's <laughs> never in places in Alaska, you're going to be like, there's no way that's snow. Right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it could be It could be July and we see a white patch on the ground and it does, probably not even a second yeah. thought. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's snow. No surprise. Like, <laughs> no surprise. Especially depending on where you're at in the state. <laughs> yeah, j- j- just kind of on that note, I think it's hilarious. All these people, you know, you see them driving back into town, and it's uh, it it can definitely be a strategy of ours. Where uh, if we're driving down any given road on, on a back road down somewhere, you you bet your bottom dollar. I'm looking in my rear view mirror for the traffic going the other way, and I'm looking in every truck bed. Um, mm-hmm. Every one of them. There's a caribou rack. There's uh, a couple of times, uh, riding a four wheeler in somewhere, I, I, I right. was going in uh, grizzly bear hunting in the fall, uh, three or four years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my wife was with me. I, well, maybe she was with me on that trip, but I, I, I was zipping in somewhere and it, it was back in the mountains for sure. Uh, but I, I wasn't going in there to go sheep hunting, but on my right. way out, there's this guy and he has a, he has a sheep cape all spread out on his front rack of his four wheeler and, uh, you know, a nice big old set of horns and, I nope. definitely mm. took note of that. You're right. <laughs> you know, had he had he wrapped Everybody that in a garbage, knows. yeah, had he wrapped that in a garbage bag or kept it in his pack or something, I probably wouldn't have given it a second glance. But yeah, if you right. advertise mm-hmm. that, man, you're yeah. you're attracting attention. So no. yeah, be uh, be a little more discreet about that if you Absolutely. if you don't want the rest of the state being in your spot. Yeah. No, it's and that's and that's true. Even in more common areas, you know, yeah. I've done that on the way out to the Steez. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're heading up and. You see trucks coming back. And, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no boo. Yeah. Uh, no boo. Oh, that's going to be a rough day up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, no boo. All right. Well, <laughs> nobody has caribou. So uh, do maybe, we, maybe do they we were just going early. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're committed now. We're going. But, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I got I got guys in my old hunting camps to this day hunting out of my old camp area. That really? We, out. we notched, we, <laughs> we climbed up the tree and you, you just, and they've been hunting them for 10 years. I left yeah. them 15 years ago um, and they, mm. they found them through video and, and they went huh. in there even, I used to, you know, you had a booth at the, these outdoor shows and they'd come up to me and say, Hey, we found your spot, man. We've been hunting that for several years. I'm like, Craig, you found my spot, and now you're going to tell me you're hunting it. And <laughs> right. yeah, they were so proud that they found that spot of mine, and obviously yeah. it was good because they're still hunting it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you got to look more intimidating, man. That's what that way they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> oh, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm happy that to help anybody, and and you know, with the, with the critters that I've taken, it, it what it correlates to now is helping people get get the animals yeah. and right. Right. And I look at now, I mean, I, th- I think back about the animals I've harvested and then I start, it kind of started dwindling down to helping my friends get moose. And mm-hmm. then now look, look what I, when I'm now I, I put, you know, I give these guys great locations to go into and like this last fall, they, they came out with 10, nine or 10, nine, nine giant bulls. Mm, um, these are yeah. DIY hunters. Um, I wasn't there, you know, they go into those locations, they fly in there with their pilots, um, and they came out with nine bulls, seven and 60 inches wide, four contenders for Boone and Crockett. So, I mean, I helped these, I helped nine people live their dreams with a giant bull and moose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not just harvesting a moose, a a giant worthwhile trophy. Yeah. And, And I do that every year now. And 
I get a lot of gratification gratification out of that now to help mm. people live their dreams and yeah yeah. yeah. So let's rewind a little bit here. I I, I think we kind of skipped over this, but after you got out of the uh, after you got out of the military at Elmendorf, you stayed up here. You were in the railroad, but you said at one point you did hold a guide license. At what point in this timeline did you uh, did you get into guiding, and how long was that period of time, and when did you get out of it? Um, it, that was a very short period. It was really just one season that I actually did. A, I guided for an outfitter for a bear, um, uh-huh. and uh, okay. we wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. saw the critters, but we just it didn't work out. And um, okay. I realized I didn't enjoy it, so mm-hmm. I didn't pursue it. I held that license for probably uh, ten years, maybe. And yeah. then I just did, didn't care to have, I wasn't going to use it. And I knew I didn't want to use it. And, and, and then it got, came into with 60 inch club. Do I want to guide? Do I want to mm-hmm. get my outfitter license? Which would have been a big deal for 60 inch club. Mm-hmm. I was already a pilot. You know, um, he's all, if you're an outfitter, you can fly your guys in, you know, yeah. if you, and, and, and I, all I needed was, you know, two years of, uh, of working under an outfitter or maybe three, and then uh, get that a hundred and some hours that you need out in the field. And, I could have, I could easily have had my outfitter license and then I would be, all of these spots would be guided hunts, right. but I wouldn't be able to hunt for, for myself and I wouldn't right. be able to take yeah. my wife and my friends and my right. family and my, and, and, and go and enjoy a hunt, um, mm-hmm. the way that I, I, I want to do it. So I never yeah. pursued that yeah. any further. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a big, a big thing. I mean, you know, so it's, it's all things to take into consideration when, yeah. when you're in that world. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah if you even enjoy being on that end of the, of the guided hunt. Yeah. Right. So. It, it's interesting when, uh, I mean, Dalton and I grew up hunting together as teenagers, learning a lot of ways of how not to do stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. In <laughs> a lot of ways, it's just how to, how to, how to get out of sticky situations that we got ourselves into or I got us into. But, um, you know, my, I, I heard my dad growing up, he, he, uh, he had his pilot's license. Uh, he had his private pilot's license and he and a friend, we're going to do, uh, one was going to get the pilot's license. My dad was, and his buddy was going to get his guiding license. And they, that was their plan to do that together. One would pilot, one would guide, mm-hmm. and they'd go into business together and do that. Well, it didn't take them very long to figure out they weren't really interested in that. Mm. Um, just, you know, kind of like, it? I think they just like, you know what, we want to hunt for ourselves. We don't want to, we don't want to mess with the headache of all of it. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember thinking when Dalton said he was going to get into guiding, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I heard growing up that that's just not what it says it is. It really, it's just depends on who you are. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, some, exactly. it, it is what some people want to do. Mm-hmm. And now that you've yep. been doing it for a while and you come back with great stories, like, oh, you know, I'm kind of a little, I'm a little more interested in it. Well, <laughs> Dalton is the social butterfly of the group. He is. That, the he social is. butterfly. <laughs> not when I'm in town. I, I uh... <laughs> I joke with my wife when I get home because there's always this period of time after I get home from guiding where I kind of don't really want to see anybody Mm. because I've just been out for so long and I'm not around crowds and I love that. And when I'm not around a crowd of people and we all have a common ground interest in hunting, man, I can get along with just about anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I don't think I've ever had a client that I've ever hunted with that I didn't enjoy spending time with day in day out but that's because yeah. i only had to get to know him for two weeks 
Right. You know, <laughs> after that two weeks, they go their way, I go mine. And I, I, I have had some repeat clients that, that I've gotten to guide multiple times over the years, and I enjoy that, but it's part of my job. It's my job to be professional and friendly. When I get yeah. home, I'm not getting paid to go to Walmart and socialize with people. So, right. I mean, yeah. spoiler, I don't. <laughs> if, if, if you see me in town and honk your horn and wave and I don't even look at you, then I, d don't be offended. I just don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it all depends on what? I am saying it all depends on... Uh, on who he's talking to, you know, because, oh, yeah. you know, I, mm. I walk into Sportsman's Warehouse now and I've been working on going there more and more often. Just, <laughs> you can, you know, go look at guns. And if you just walk into a gun store and you look at guns, it really helps you get more, more, um, uh, what's the well-rounded, yeah. well-rounded and knowledge and being familiar and looking at ammo and looking at lights and scopes. And I just, I like to walk in there and just do a circuit once or twice a week. Oh yeah. And usually at least buy some ammo or some primer yeah. or powder or something, try to yeah. add to the stock, right? For for when everything disappears again, right? <laughs> you know, but, I, I, but go ahead. <laughs> say, but talk. Now, now everybody in there, most of the employees, right, right. at least recognize me if they don't know me by name. And right. a lot of them know me by name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they look at me and say, you know, the other person in here that's in here I know is, is Dalton, yeah. right? Because <laughs> a few years ago, he started doing the same thing. Yeah. And so, you know, he walks into Sportsman's, oh yeah, he's all gung-ho about oh, talking yeah. to those, those employees. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, it makes a big difference. Oh yeah, that's because we all have friendly, the same right? interest in mind, but we're all there yeah. because we like to hunt. But you know, I, yeah, I Walmart's mean, not the same thing for you. Social <laughs> butterfly is is definitely a stretch. It it depends on <laughs> depends on who I'm around. I've spent a lot of money at Sportsman's Warehouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we all have. <laughs> I'm just should've, glad we got one in Fairbanks. Should have bought stock. <laughs> I have stock in Sportsman's Warehouse. Do you? Yep. Nice. <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of start, I started, actually enjoy going to Frontier Outfitters nowadays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They seem to have oh, a yeah. lot. And that, you know, the old Mike is a great guy who owns that store and the guys that are all really knowledgeable there. And it's, yeah. it's a pretty good place to go. Yeah. 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 Frontier is a good spot yeah. too. They've, they've got a nice, what I like about them is they've got a nice, uh, for the size of the store, mm -hmm. it, they've got a really good spread of different things. They got know, a from, lot of stuff. Fishing to trapping to hunting yeah. to yeah, camping they do. to they yeah. clothing to, yeah. it's, it's, they've, they've done a good job with that inventory. Yeah. So, yeah, no doubt. Well, it helps that they got my bags there too. I, I, I yeah. Yeah. Like having in there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. The old before that, I did go there. Yeah. 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 They, they didn't have to bribe you you went of your own right of your own accord exactly yeah well let's take a uh, a really quick break hammer bullets produces what we at the northern hunter consider to be the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today these bullets are easy to load extremely accurate and best of all they're always in stock and ready to ship the guys at Hammer designed them so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, it sheds its petals, initiating a massive energy dump while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration. These bullets are built with 100% focus on how they perform on game, and their proprietary designs produce great VCs with specialized pressure grooves for amazing inherent accuracy and speed. They have a minimum expansion velocity of 1,800 feet per second, which allows for long-range shots, but with no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 3030 to the high velocity round like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com and use discount code THENORTHERNHUNTER to drop the hammer on your next adventure. 
All right, so I, I got two more things I wanted to touch on with you before we before we got too far along. So what, just for story time's sake, um, what would you say your like most memorable uh, moose hunting experience would be, and what kind of like which one you you just look back on and you're like, man, that that was that was it, that was moose hunting, like. <laughs> Well, I got to be, um, I got, I got, you know, several when I was um, doing my jet boat, uh, moose hunting, mm-hmm. but one in particular really stood out and it was with two friends, um, a good buddy named Jeff and, uh, another buddy named Butch. Um, and, uh, you know, it, we were, we flew in, me and Jeff flew in and we, we, uh, had a great time and we scouted and the next day we, we, we knew we had, it was a great location and we knew that uh, great, a lot of good sign there. We landed and got up on a bluff and just enjoyed our time. And then the next day, bam, we called in um, Jeff's first 71 and a half inch bull. Whoa. Oh, wow. Whoa. He'd never even <laughs> taken 60 and he jumped right into the 70 inch club. And <laughs> it was, I, I don't think I had taken a 70-inch bull yet. I had taken, <laughs> I was 67 at the time um, wide. And then, mm-hmm. and we called in this big bull from well over a mile away. And we can see him coming through. And we, we did it at the good morning. We called the good news rush uh, uh, that uh, at noon, them, them moose and big bulls, they like to stand up and, and stretch their legs, mm-hmm. take a bite, maybe go yeah. look at a cow a little bit. But, you let out a long, sexy cow call, and if they hear you at noon, twelve thirty, they're gonna stand up most likely and look at you, and you cannot miss those big pans looking at you. Yeah, yeah, yep. And Absolutely. man, game on, and then don't get too excited and over rev and start calling your butt off because then you'll scare them. And but then just kind of calm down, and he we call this big bull in seventy one and a half, mm. and we had a good time around the campfire that night celebrating and. And, um, eating backstrap and <laughs> eating backstrap and, and, uh, we had to get some gas. And so we loaded up the bowl and, um, um, went, uh, flew out to get gas and then head home. But then we were going to, we actually were to come back that day and land. And, and, uh, we decided the weather had gotten bad and the wind was blowing and we couldn't land the planes. It was, <laughs> it looked like, mm. you know, two, two drunk ducks trying to land on a, on a river and, and <laughs> It just, with the turbulence coming across over the trees, it was probably more comical than you wouldn't realize how white knuckles we were. But we said, we're heading home. Let's go home. So we go home, and um, we, uh, our friend Butch flew into town. He says, we said, hey, come on out. We're going to go back out. So, because, you know, I hadn't taken one yet. And mm-hmm. so Butch comes out with us, and he goes back out there, and, and you know, just a few days later, you know, we had two more bulls on the ground, and then I end up, I'm the last one. Butch got his. This was 63, so now we got a 71 half at 63, and we're thinking, <laughs> does it get any better than this? You know, this is a <laughs> five, six-day hunt, and uh, I told, I got up that morning, you know, and the tall tale sign of a successful hunting trip with your buddies is the ones that have harvested the bulls, they're, they're going to sleep in. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to get up with you. So I'm, I'm the only one left with the tag and those two are sleeping in. And so I'm up <laughs> and I, uh, I told, I said, God, you know what? 
I'm not going to shoot a big, I'm not going to shoot a bull in this. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. Swear mm-hmm. to God. Swear to God. <laughs> I, I said, I'm, I'm not going to shoot it. I'm not going to do it if it's not the biggest bull I've ever seen. <clears throat> and I don't know, half an hour later of calling and stuff. And, you know, they're still in bed. You know, and there's, they're still sleeping. And all of a sudden you can start hearing this grunting coming. Whoa. Whoa. Ooh, I'm across the river and I'm like, oh, it's game on, it's game on. <laughs> and, and then and all of a sudden I can hear all this rattling and rustling in the tent. <laughs> They're all scrambling to get out of the tent. <laughs> and uh because you couldn't you couldn't miss it. It's so then he got, you know, like whoa, whoa. And he's right. gotten yeah. he's really now he's getting close enough, he's husky. You can hear that huskiness. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I saw I told God, I said, hey. If he's 60, not happening. He's going to have to be gnarly and big. And he came out of the, bro- the trees across the river and cro- got in the middle of the river walking towards me. And I started backing up into the brush because like, I'm not going to, you can't shoot him in the river. Mm-hmm, um, right. So I backed up into the brush and only what he thought, he, he just thought I was some sexy cow call, cow, oh, cow in the, in the brush back there <laughs> yeah, with, right. you know, sugar lips just as he's got to meet this gal. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just love. a, sh- yeah. And I'm just a shadow behind the willows and, and, <laughs> and I'm filming, I'm filming all this and I'm excited. And, and but now it's, it's very apparent he's ginormous mm. and not only just wide, but very thick. He's got daggers, you know, for brow tines and one of oh, on yeah. each side, they're over two foot long. These big wide daggers, like wow. the, the, the mass of an elk main beam but they're wow. daggers yeah. and um laid the he ended up signing the guest book right there as he got out <laughs> yeah. of the, right right there ankle deep water and and uh on film and that's we actually that's actually uh um part of what i used to do and that's produce hunting videos and he's that's the epic mm-hmm. moose hunt and that's the um name of that hunting video that was sold in gander mountain and bass pro and cabela's for many years and yeah. Epic moose hunt, and so it, so it was an epic moose hunt. We Butch and Jeff were around the campfire <laughs> that night, and we're like, we're like, this was this was epic. Yeah, <laughs> epic. man, oh man, oh, wow, Just, that sounds amazing. So and that one ended up being how wide? Ended up being seventy, right on the money. Wow, seventy oh, inches. Wide. So you yeah. joined the seventy inch club same week, huh? Same, same within five days. Within five days. Wow. Yeah, and you shot him with a 6.5 Creedmoor, is that right? <laughs> um, no, I shot him with the 308 TAC 2 proof research TAC 2 um, hunting rifle with the with the, um, Leopold scope on it and, okay. uh, and uh, um, carbon fiber barrel from Christian cool. Arms. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Fancy gun. It, it, was, Butch, <laughs> it was actually Butch's gun, and they gave it to him to, to, to you know, see what he can, if he liked it or not. Because, you know, Butch is, he, he's actually um, the owner of Cryptek. Oh, oh okay. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Butch Whiting and okay. Betty Vars. And, and so, yeah, he gets, you know, they, he gets, you know, try out this, try out that kind of, kind of like you guys, you, you know, Hey, try out my stuff. Would you, you guys, yeah. <laughs> <Right. now. laughs> we're trying, right? right. <laughs> that's, that's the end game. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
you know, so I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because um, that was going to be the next thing I wanted to, to talk to you about. So you, you used to do a bunch of those those hunt films. You were mm-hmm. heavily involved in the the hunt media world. Yep. Um, so talk about kind of how you got into that and what that kind of whole thing looked like. I mean, what, what all did you do? Well, that was a, what all started out with, I started filming, 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 every moose hunt, everything. And then I, I put myself through uh, editing school, online editing courses, learned yeah. how to do my own producing audio, uh, color, um, everything through Final Cut Pro Studio and then Final Cut X and then all the way through and kept up with it and produced my own videos. And then I farmed, I partnered with Stony Wolf Productions. You mm-hmm. probably know Stony Wolf. They they yeah, are oh, the yeah. pioneer of all DVDs back in the day. Mm. You know, there's not even really DVDs anymore for hunters and for the hunting realm. It's all, you know, streaming and downloading. But back then, that's what it was. And and at one time, Jim Shockey and myself were leading in the sales of moose hunts, moose nice. hunting, hunting, hunting videos. And he yeah. actually out, outsold me for, you know, all every year he outsold me. But mm. I was number two. And the big man was number one, and yeah. <laughs> I didn't mind. I thought that was pretty good company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that led to, um, hey, I want my own television show. And, mm. and then that led to going to SHOT Show and Safari Club International shows and talking to, you know, the hunting celebrities. I talked to I met them all, all of them. Mm. Been, I've been at the dinner tables with them all. I got to meet them. I got to talk to them. I got to learn from them. Um, and and then I, I did some shows with um, Deer City USA, mm. um, Steve okay. Gruber. Mm-hmm. And then I did, I did a little bit with um, Best of the West. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, with them and, you know, Lat Durance and, and, those, and that yeah. gang. <clears throat> and that was pretty fun. And then um, um, it just, that, that was fun. And it just kind of got to be a kind of a chore, I guess. And they yeah. just... <laughs> <laughs> I could you know, see that, and and actually very expensive. You you really don't break even on the, on on hunting videos or hunting shows. They they're always in the red. So mm, I'm looking right. at making a living, and to do don't, that, don't, you have to have products along with your show. I said, uh-huh. don't don't tell us that this early in the game. We're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you can do it, and there's a lot of no. those guys that do it. Um, a lot mm. of them they they're they're financing themselves. Um, yeah. and then even the most expensive, even the, you know, like, um, the crush, um, mm-hmm. Lee, Lee yeah. Tiffany, Lee and Tiffany Lakowski's, they, you know, they, they're, they're the, probably the ones doing the best financially. Yeah. Um, and even that's not what you would think it would be or should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it just kind of, kind of dwindled out and, um, and, uh, it was a fun time. Yeah. Had a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds shows. like it, man. Sounds, sounds like it. Um, I, I know, you know, just since we've started just this show, I mean, it's been a fun time, you know, oh, it's doing it all. It's a lot of work. And like you said, there's a lot that goes into any form of media production that a lot, you know, you might not yeah. even think about from the outside. I mean, yeah. before we started a, a, a simple podcast, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we'll just show up once a week and, you know, talk in a microphone <laughs> and <laughs> it's like going to be, going to be easy. Right. 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 <laughs> but then you got the the creative side of it you've got to you know be creative you've got to come up with you know the equipment and the the time mm-hmm. in yeah. addition to just the times you're yeah. sitting down and yeah. there's yeah. a lot that goes into it you know and, and i'm sure film even more so oh yeah well, know, I know way more so this last uh you know hunt dalton i went on we talked mm-hmm. about in the last episode um but you know we were trying to film it 
even just, you know, even just to have video to work with and try to develop our, some skill, but trying to hold a camera and look for deer <laughs> and <laughs> shoot deer and jump out of a boat and every, you know, in the whole, like, yeah, I get tired of trying to pick that. I get tired of having to pick the camera up, you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I, my buddies were like, you're a one man show. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, you got a GoPro on your forehead. You got a $7,000 camera on a tripod that you got on your shoulder. You got your backpack and you got your um, you got your other camera that's in in your front pocket where your binoculars are at, and you got um, <laughs> you've got everything with you. You got your decoy sticking out of the back end of it with the hooves in the air. I mean, you're a one man show, and you're, we're on a doll sheep hunt. What are you What are you doing? You climbing? That's an extra fifteen twenty pounds going up the mountain here. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah, but yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I loved it. I I wanted to. If that camera wasn't handy. It, I, I learned right. early on that the camera stays in my front pack here or on my shoulder. Because mm. if you have to take your backpack off to pull the camera out, you're going right. to miss a lot of shots. Right. That was a the lot biggest of filming. Thing I yeah. noticed on that hunt was I needed a hook, something just so I could hang the camera quick. Yep. So I could right do, so I could, because otherwise, what I'm going to do, I'm going to set it on the rocks or take my backpack off, set it on the backpack. Like it just mm-hmm. doesn't quite I even had like uh, you thought it would. A self-standing backpack is a nice thing I have, and I even had a mount on the top of that, and I could put the oh, spot really? scope on yeah. it, or I could hook the camera up to it, and that was nice. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. Very cool. Yeah. How much sheep hunting did you do up here through the years? I was a, I've taken probably, see, what have I got, a f- six dull sheep, maybe seven. Yeah. And my, with my buddy taken, he, he, we got, both got doll sheeps at the same time. Probably been between my buddy going, doing it together. We've got 11. Yeah. Rams. Okay. And Very I got cool. to where I, I just, if, if I, yeah, it was fun. And I got to where, um, ended up passing every year, started passing on the, on the sheep. I mean, they were all legal. They were all 35 inch full curls and bigger, but if they weren't that 39 or 40 that we've taken already, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it just, I wasn't going to shoot them. It wasn't, uh, yeah. wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't worth the work. I, I knew I had, I was blessed to have harvested so many already that why does, mm-hmm. you know, why shoot another one, let it live and, 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 you know, produce that seed uh, to the next generation. So yeah. I, I kind of just, I haven't hunted dull sheep in quite a while. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just got to give it another year. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Probably yeah. seven, seven years I haven't hunted dull sheep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Which yeah. is weird. That was my love and passion was dull sheep. And the reason why I got into being a pilot was to go mm. sheep hunting. Yeah. Really? That, that, that yeah. was the back, that was the motivation for it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, and I got deep doll sheep hunting videos out that that yeah. uh, I filmed over the years. As well. mm-hmm. So did you, you, you said when you got out of the, the filmmaking for the movies and stuff, um, did you retain all those videos? Is there a place people can go watch those right now? Or yeah, they're all they... free now. They're all free. Yeah. Go on our, my, so where, where I've gone with that is I now, I do training videos. Um, yeah. I do a lot of free training videos. Uh, and then I, um, for people that want to learn more, I, then I go into um, paid subscriptions to for the the really good meat. You know, get to the meat and bone of what you're doing and what I'm using. And and so I, mm. I actually build I actually build uh, a lot of free videos and a lot of uh, they're all training videos to help people out. And they're all on my YouTube channel, um, Troy Sessions yeah. or Sixty Inch Club. And um, and I'm going to be putting some more out here pretty soon about exactly 
how to pack for a hunt in Alaska. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and how to pack your backpack so you can un- unpack it to fit it in the plane. When you put oh, your, people don't know it, when you put your backpack in the plane, it's empty. There is nothing mm-hmm. in that backpack. It shouldn't be. It should, you want your socks in a bag. You want your sleeping bag in a bag. You want your pants in a bag. You want everything that you can pull out of that backpack. Stuff it in every nook and cranny because you cube out so quickly on those super cubs and small planes mm-hmm. that if you want to help your pilot out, I'm going to yeah. show you how to do it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's a that alone is something most you know DIY or even probably guided clients you know <laughs> don't ever even think about you know when they yeah. first get up here they're like well what do you mean I got to unpack it now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah I mean I've, I've, I've taken 18 packs of, of Pepsi and I took every single one of them out and stuffed stuffed it in every nook and cranny because I had no <laughs> and, and as an 18 pack he wasn't going to come along with me because there was no more room <laughs> right <laughs> and I was going to bring that 18 pack of Pepsi I'm telling you yeah <laughs> yeah I've had pilots that like it both ways you know some pilots I've I've walked up to the walked up to the plane and said all right do you want this pack empty or full and some of them, yeah, just leave it as it is. Here, hand it to me. And mm-hmm. wow, this thing's heavy. And then they lunk it in behind the seat, and then you just go from there. Other yeah. pilots, well, do you have your stuff in dry bags? And I say, yes, I do. All right, well, let's take it out piece by piece. And so yep. you've got your clothes bag, your sleeping bag, your extras bag, and then your spotter. And that's mm. pretty much all that exists in a backpack, uh, at, at yep. least for you know for, for the guides part anyway. But then you get the clients that show up. And they've just got it all just loosely just jammed in there. And when the pilot says, um, unpack your bag and hand it to me in smaller pieces, every little thing comes out of that backpack. Yeah. They've got their toothbrush that they forget in the <laughs> belly pot, or they've got a bar of soap that gets dropped in the river or something. Yeah. You know, it just... They, they, it, but I, I think that's going to provide a lot of value for people because... Yeah. They just don't understand that, you know, that they, they, they don't understand how small those airplanes are. Mm, uh, right. I've had some clients that, that they look at that airplane and they go, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in that airplane. You know, if they have mobility issues or flexibility, they're, yeah. they're not limber enough. I've, I've seen guys step on the wrong place, getting into a plane. And that's always, that's always a little unnerving watching the pilot get that mad that fast, but you, know, <laughs> you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to step where it clearly has a sticker that says no step, yep. but that's, that's where they all put their foot. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's uh, good that you do videos like that. Well, that's coming out next. And then I got one where I'm going to, um, you know, we got our rafts and stuff and I'm going to yeah. really sit down and do a, how to inflate the raft and how to fix mm-hmm. it and, and how to pack it. I mean, people right. don't yeah. realize when you pack your raft, and you're going to go down that river, everything that you didn't tie down when you flip over, you lose. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Everything, including your right. rifle. If you got it on your shoulder, you're probably, you may not end have a rifle through the remainder mm-hmm. of your trip. And I've had it happen with my buddy. He lost a brand new 300 wind mag. The oh, one thing man. he didn't tie down. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Coming from so, somebody who lost a rifle in a boating accident. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can that. confirm I, the heartbreak. So I, I, I lost all my guns in a boating accident. <laughs> what are you talking about? Guns? I don't have any guns. No, no. <laughs> all guns. Don't, what was that rifle again? Uh, th- 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 that rifle that I lost and that uh, I, I, I was headed out moose hunting with a yeah. friend and 
there was a jet boating accident, you know, a, a, a log under the water and mm. long story. I'm not going to tell it again. I think I've told it on the show before, uh, but that was an old 1970s uh, M77 Ruger and 300 Win right. Mag mm. with what, an old wow. fixed loopholed uh, fixed four power scope. That gun had been owned by another old timer up here. He'd taken it to Africa. He'd shot yeah. a bunch of stuff up here with it. Uh, I, I got it for a first rifle. And uh, I just shot my first moose with it earlier on that season, and then I lost it two weeks later in the river. Oh, <laughs> wow! Yeah, heartbreaking. From now on, if I have a gun and a boat, it's usually in the dry bag, which is you know it, 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 either the dry bag floats, which you know there, we can talk about this some other time. You can talk about how to make dry bags float because mm -hmm. just because yeah. it's sealed doesn't mean that thing's going to float your rifle. Um, yeah. but you can also have it attached to the boat somehow so that if it does go down, then, uh, you know, you're not, as long as you can recover the boat, you can recover the rifle, which sometimes mm. that can yep. be a whole other, whole other ball game in and of itself. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It can. So what year did you start 60 inch club, Troy? I believe it was 2016. Um, we oh, started okay. 60 inch club and okay. we only had, um, like that's my dog walking in here. He's like, "What are you doing on the radio, still? What's going on? <laughs> you want to play?" Uh, so, um, twenty sixteen, we had a few locations. Well, I actually had about five, but really only had about two customers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we thought it was your, your buddies. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and they they signed up to go uh, on a caribou hunt and. Okay. And uh, they did. I forgot here. And they they go. Uh, they went and shot two Boone and Crockett caribou. Tagged out. Oh wow! Next couple of days, and we're happy. And then the word spread from there. And then they booked another hunt. Uh, went to one of our prime. They went to the same spot. That's what we do. I tell you, I hunt these spots, and then I offer them to folks for DIY hunters. You can mm -hmm. you can purchase the GPS locations and. Get all the pictures and videos and film of our hunt and what we did and we talk about, and then you get another one-on-one uh, -on -one Google tra Google training video with me where I I videotape the whole uh, the whole hunt again and show you how to hunt it and where to hunt and mm. and anyhow. So they went in where I where me and Butch and uh, Jeff went, and they killed okay. two two Boone and Crockett moose. They got nice. again, <laughs> and so they went to two locations. They got four Boone and Crockett animals. They didn't score. They scored them, but they didn't in, in register any of them. But they were, I've killed enough, I've harvested enough bulls to know that they were, and they did tell me they scored, they scored high enough. So that, and then, wow, and, that's and, awesome. yeah, and they were, um, they, they did so well, the word got out and now it's, we, we just can't, uh, we get so many people calling to, the book it's it's so i remember right. growing up at one point my dad having newspaper and he had it was it was pictures of bull moose um and it, i remember him saying something about the 60 inch club mm -hmm. or 70 inch club really wow. and it was just and i don't know if it was just you know end of moose season if it was just if you know some segment of the paper that they mm -hmm. used to do or something there was there any affiliation with you or any of that or no, um, you know, and I, of course I knew about the 60 inch club papers coming out in all of Alaska right, and probably right. in Canada, all through Canada too. And that's, it's really where it all came about. It was like, well, I've taken so many 60 inch bulls, you know, six, let's do the 60 inch club. 
And my wife yeah, said, right, sounds, right. sounds sounds smart to me. Let's do it. And so we actually yeah. we actually own that name. We, we, okay, we okay. it's trademarked by us. We own the trademark sixty inch club. And of course, we don't talk to the papers or anything. We let them go ahead and go with it because why not? You know. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah, we own the name sixty inch club. Okay, I figured I figured that was the case. I oh, just God. wonder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, so and you said. So it just took off after that. I mean, just absolutely. It, once once the word got out, it just started taking off. Started taking off. Um, uh, the biggest challenge um, was was having pilots, having enough pilots to you know to send yeah. people to. People can they can uh, pick their own pilots, but you know we let them know that um, these guys have already said that they would like to fly you guys in yeah. there. And um, if you mm-hmm. go with someone else, then it jeopardizes our locations and. We can lose right, some of those right. locations because we pull out a big giant bowl. The word gets out. So yeah, if you don't have a good right. if you don't have a good rapport or friendship going with the with the pilots, then you, you mm. know you could be SOL. And we have lost a few, a couple locations actually. Yeah. Mm. So, um, just for the the sake of people, so what do you like? You've got this whole spectrum of people that help non-res hunters come up and 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 do what they're they're dreaming to do whether that's guides or um transporters or diy guys like yourself like kind of lay out like what the difference is on what people can expect for for each layer there um oh yeah and what they can expect from from their experience with you guys so you know if you're looking at coming to alaska to hunt no matter what it is but for now we'll just say it's moose because um you and you can do that with the doll sheep you got to be guided grizzly you got to be guided but for moose or caribou um, what you're looking at is, you know, what's your expense going to be? Um, if you, if you're going to be looking at getting flown into an area, which is probably going to be your best bet, um, then, um, people get really confused about their transporters or yeah, an air taxi service, um, or a guide for that matter. So you got to really weigh those differences. And I actually spell, I actually, that's on my website for free. You can read a little bit about it and I'm always adding to it. But, you know, a transporter, he's not a guide, but he can tell you that, hey, here's some, we've taken moose here and we can take you there. An air taxi guy, you got to give him your GPS coordinates and say, can you take me there? Because, I mean, check out the lake is long enough. Can you land there? Can you land mm-hmm. on this gravel bar? Is it is it safe enough, long enough for for you to want to do that for me? And then yeah. and then, but they cannot offer you. Hey, I know where some moose are at. I'll take you there. They can't. Yeah. Right. They can't do like, that. They're you're like they're you're no different than a piece of lumber to an air taxi right, guy. Right. And they're yeah. success you, and you rating. Like, like legally, they can't do that. Yeah. Right. And, and so and really in 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 legal purposes, um, by definition, and it's this isn't verbatim here, but um, the sole um, taking into consideration the success of a hunter is not anything they can legally consider. It is gotcha. the safe operations of flying you into and out of the field safely is their only legal thing they can be concerned with, period. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. And so a transporter, um, I find that they, they really tend to want to overbook. Um, air taxis are a much more pleasant way to go because they're more like you and me and they've got a lot less workload quite often they have one plane they're a one pilot kind of licensed um, entity and you get more enjoyment out of them 
Um, and um, a transporter, um, they they may tell you they're going to take you to this lake and they'll give you the GPS location. But if you show up and the weather's bad over there, yeah. and they can't get in. They're an air taxi. They're they're like a taxi cab. Yeah. They have a dispatch yeah. just like a taxi cab, and they're going to say, "Take them over to Joe Blow Lake, or take them yeah. over to yeah. No Name Lake." And it's like, "Sorry, guys, you you know you booked my time, and you're here right. and you're going somewhere." And you can be yeah. caught quite often. You can be caught in an area that you know nothing about. And right. that is the difference between, between myself and 60 inch club and, and another guy's services um, is that you get, you know, where you're going to go. Um, and um, the pilots that we talk to are going to take you where they say that, that they're going to take you. Um, mm-hmm. and that's where you go. That is exactly mm-hmm. where you go is where is, and you have all the GPS, the whole hunt planner and everything, you know yeah. what it looks like before you get there. Yeah. Now, right. so you right. got into that about what else. So, so if you want to go, another good way to go is, um, probably better, not better, but you can go with uh, a licensed outfitter that for a drop camp, a drop hunt. Yeah. And, and there are several that are pretty good. I will tell you this, um, you know, I think that runs about at least $6,000 for a drop. Um, and they put you in a moosey area, but you want to consider this one very thing. It's a big one. They get paid for big moose. They have Mm -hmm. clients paying big money, $25,000 up from there. So if you think they're going to put you on a world-class moose for six grand, no right. chance. No you're, chance. You're fooling yourself. <laughs> yeah. So right. just keep that no in chance. mind. You, you're going to go to a moosey area. You're going to get a, mo- a moosey normal-class bull, maybe, um, but you're not going to get the giants unless it's you know a bunch of luck. And you're maybe if you're a really good caller, a real good mm. caller, you can pull a bull. You know, I've called bulls in from five miles away. Five miles. Wow. So wow. you've got That's a good amazing. reach, you know, a good megaphone and persistence, stay in one location. It could be done, but uh, yeah. keep, that, keep that in mind with an outfitter. <clears throat> I remember that when you were, <laughs> when we were hanging out this, this last fall and uh, you showed me your old bull magnet. <laughs> that thing is haggard. <laughs> that thing has scraped its fair share of branches. <laughs> Wayne Kubot made those back in the day. And a shout out to Wayne Kubot. He has uh, Love, Thunder, and Bull, his, his series of moose hunting yes. videos. Yes. <laughs> they are very good in, uh, yes. instructional videos. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. I've, yeah. I've learned a lot watching those Love, Thunder, and Bull. Yeah. Some, somebody that I talked to. I mean, probably 10 years ago now, just after, uh, well, not, not too long after I'd moved back up to, uh, up to the Fairbanks area, uh, I, I was working at somebody's house and the guy had a bunch of moose racks and he handed me that DVD and said, take this home, watch it, and then we'll meet up in town. You can give it back to me. And that was kind of what taught me initially how to, how to call moose. Um, but I, I, I think a lot of the same principles can be found on that one particular YouTube video that you've even got on your YouTube channel. It's not a very long video, but, mm. uh, you know, um, th- that tip that you talked about earlier about, uh, letting out a cow call at about noon. Yeah. That's not something that you hear a whole lot of people talking about, no, you don't. Yeah. Um, but that works really, really well. 
and then just kind of that regimen mm-hmm. that you just build and you call from this time to this time every morning and then you wait you know you, you, mm. you definitely don't want to over call them but then about noon you rip out a cow call if you don't hear anything back, don't worry about it. You're just trying to get their attention. And, and you know, if, if you have a glassing area that you can glass them, then you're just looking for those, you know, plywood sheets, if you will, to just turn your direction to mm. what was that. And then in the evening, you re, you know, you resume your calling and then you hope to just draw them in that last bit. But right. I, I, I think that video that you've got on YouTube, I, I, I think you just put it out here this last fall too. It, it's, it's not more than like 10 or 12 minutes long, yeah. um, but sure, really- yeah, for, for anybody that knows the basics of how to actually make the call sounds, that 10 minutes is really all you need to know. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. You can call in moose and be successful th- that easily and just apply that strategy to your hunt. And that'll, if, if there is a receptive bull in the area, he's, yeah. he's going to come into that strategy. Yeah. Well, the there, other thing, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that there were, Two things I really loved about that video that you did, the one Dalton's talking about. Yeah. Um, and one is because there's a lot of videos out there that might explain how to make a bull grunt, mm-hmm. how to make a cow call, but they don't go through the process with you. You yeah. know, it, it's okay, this is how this is what bulls sound like. It's a more, you know, right, and, right. Uh, draw that out for a cow call and all this different stuff. But, right. You know, the way you broke down the whole day of the hunt. Yeah. From the time you wake up to yep. the time you go to sleep, this yep. is how you hunt. That that's what I really appreciated yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. Um. The the second thing was we had a debate on the show because our, our listener had written in talking about um things they had heard in regard to a moose hunt. And they were going on a on a camping or on, on a DIY moose hunt, and they were wondering if they should have a fire. Mm-hmm. And. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you know, so, and, and referencing the fact that, you know, uh, I guess Ranella at some point, Steve had gone on a, a moose hunt up in Alaska and the guy that he went with or that oh, yeah. was the outfitter or the transporter or whatever, yeah. um, never had told him never have a fire. You'll never see a moose if you have a fire. And then at the end of your video, <laughs> you're, like, <laughs> you're calling in moose right in front of the campfire right in and front shooting of the campfire. <laughs> And you got the super cub sitting too there. Yeah. You got the super cub sitting there too. I, I loved of, it. <laughs> no, it's it's true. I, you can I have blazing campfires. I've called more moose in from the crackling of a fire than I can shake a stick at. No, there we've called bulls in right to the right to us and because it's snap crackling and popping and all of a sudden whoa, whoa, whoa. my wife on our first time she this bulls come in we, we had just landed we had been there about an hour hour and a half unpacking and we got a big bonfire going it's getting dark and man it's so surreal we're sitting on the on, the, on this river it's slow moving it's quiet that fire started snapping and crackling and popping and we're just sitting there smile all smiles we're in camp mm. now and then all of a sudden here come this whoa I mean, it's across the river. It's <laughs> 500 yards away. And my wife's looking at me like, what are we going to do? And I go, well, we'll watch it. We're going to film it. It's too hard to film, I think, but we'll, we'll film it anyways. And the bull come in and, and, and I was going to do a call to see if I can get it across the river just to play with it. She's like, don't yeah. call it across the river. And I, so I, I didn't. And, <laughs> and long story short, he went up river a little bit and ran right into a bear and they had a big fight. And it was like, this bear's going <laughs> like a, and then, really? the, then you can hear the stomping and snorting of the bull. And my wife's like, he's going to kill my ball. And I go, I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah. That all happened. And that's all because of a fire, but 
I've called Moose in. I got it on video. It's in some of my movies. And he laid oh, yeah. down 20 yards from the, from the fire. Yeah. And it was yeah, a small yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. I've seen the exact video you're talking about. I just <laughs> yeah. get such a kick out of that. I, I Actually, in September, when I had my client out on his moose hunt, uh, I, I had my little teepee stove. And uh, I, I, he was in his Cabela's six-man tent. Or no, th- that was a four-man tent. And uh, we were expecting some some foul weather, you know, coming up through the hunt. And I said, well, it'd be a good thing if I set up my Peaks TP and put up my titanium stove now because we can't hunt today. We, we just got flown into this gravel bar on, on the river. And uh, I said, I- I'm going to go ahead and preventatively set this up and I'll, I'll go ahead and sleep in there. And I, I'm not going to run the stove yet, but I- I'm not worried about it running off moose. But that way... If it does snow and rain like it's forecasted to, we've got a spot to dry all of our stuff out at. Well, yep. fast forward a couple of days, it did. It dumped snow. It rained. And so I, I was laying in bed. I, I I had a bunch of my wet gear sitting up in the rafters there hanging in that teepee tent. And I, I had it in earbud. I, I think I was listening to a podcast or something <clears throat> that I had downloaded. And I, I heard something outside the tent. I mean, th- this wood stove is just ripping, right? I, the, the whole chimney is borderline red halfway up the chimney. And wow. I'm sitting there you know, in, in my T-shirt and shorts, laying on top of my <laughs> sleeping bag, just sweating. And I think I had the tent door open just trying to vent some of the heat out of there because it was way too hot. <laughs> but I heard something outside the tent. And so I paused my, my, uh, my podcast and I could hear this... <laughs> And it was a moose's stomach gurgling. <laughs> and then I heard one snort. And then I heard my blue tarp that was outside my teepee that was covering my uh, my stack of firewood that I had just uh, saw cut earlier that afternoon. A moose cow and a calf walked right through my camp and stopped and stood on my firewood tarp, you know, five <laughs> feet from where I was laying with this, you know, wood stove just billowing out smoke right at her head level. And mm-hmm. she did not care one bit. I, I had another bull uh, the, the, the night after that, another bull walked up the creek 10 yards behind me in the little slough, just grunting away right behind my tent as I had a fire going that night too. So yeah, from now on, pretty much, I, before I, I always kind of took the stance of, well, you know, it, it's kind of either way, it's up to you. Now I'm of the stance of, no, don't worry about it. Yeah. yeah just just rip your fire. It's not going to hurt. Well, and the later in the rut you get, um, I've had bulls come in that I thought I was going to get beat up. Because they weren't going <laughs> to leave. I mean, I'm throwing yeah. rocks at them. I didn't, you know, they're 50, yeah. uh, some 60 inches, and I didn't want to shoot them. They looked ugly. They didn't have the nice rack or whatever it was. And it must be a nice problem they, to have. They, <laughs> <laughs> again, yeah. a big bonfire going. And, and uh, it, yeah, my, my wife, she, we've got so many big giant bulls in the house that, that you know, I took her out on her, one of her hunts and called in a big 60-inch bull, and he's, and she was putting her contacts in, and I'm like, "Come on, come on, come on!" And I got the camera going. And she's like, I'm, "I'm, I will, I'm coming." And it, it was coming right to the tent, right where I was. We were yeah. and, and she, I'm like, "You're gonna, you're gonna shoot? You, does it look good? You want to shoot it?" And she's like, "No." I'm like, "It's a 60 inch bull." She's like, "We got bigger in the house, and it's not real pretty." <laughs> It's not pretty. Like what's it's, it's just wide. You want pretty? Yeah. Just, she passed. She passed on her wow. first sixteen inch bull. We filmed it. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So just kind of on that note, Troy, <laughs> okay, what is your done. favorite way to get a bull's attention once you've got him coming into the call? Like for visual aids, do you use like those, uh, like those little, um, um, uh, oh, pl- p- uh, plywood cutout antlers? Um, that, yeah. that, that I've seen some guys use, or do you like using a boat paddle, or do you just not do anything at all for for the visual aid? Montana decoy. Yeah, I like you know you can. I, I'm going to give some good advice here to all of you people to make some really cheap imitation antlers. But I took a, I bought a really tan colored garbage can, brand new, bigger mm. size, um, and I I cut, I drew you know like a 40 inch wide rack moose rack on it, and I cut it out. And then I spray painted the tips with dark brown. Mm-hmm. I cut it in the middle and I put a piece of aluminum there so you can fold it in half, stick it in your backpack. Works oh. like a charm. Love oh. it. I never even would have thought to do that. That is a I genius mean, idea. Because then you got the garbage the, can. You've got the, sh- the shape and the size and mm-hmm. all that. Huh. Yep. What and an it works. I got, I got the, it's in my hunting video um, from A to Z calling moose, um, mm-hmm. which is free on my. If you go to our website, 60inchclub.com, all those hunting videos are free on there. And I think I got them free on on my YouTube channel. But, yeah, it's in there for sure. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Have you ever tried those uh, those full-size pop-up decoys? I have, and they work. Um, You got to get the bulls to come in to see them. And and then, you know, they they work. It just... you know, and that that's a good point. You know, once you get some, if you got some cows hanging out around you, you know, that's not a bad sign, and that that's good because it just shows mm-hmm. confidence that that bull sees those real life decoys. They're gonna not gonna spook off near as easy if they are at all. Um, so you know, yeah. enjoy the moment, and maybe that'll be a life decoy for you. But yeah, I've I've used the blow up decoys. I don't like them. I like the, I think it's mm. the Wyoming decoy of a moose looking back at you. Um, I've used those quite a bit. <clears throat> they always end up getting trashed though by the end of the hunt. Um, but yeah. the best by far is that moose rack. I've had moose ten yards, big bulls, just playing with nice. them. You know, fifty-five, <laughs> fifty-seven inches probably. Uh huh. On video, not, so I'm not full of it. <laughs> Well, that's what I like is, yeah, everything you're talking about here, it's all on video. People can go watch it. If they don't, if they don't believe it, they can go see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, they can um, go see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. No, that's, that's a great, that's like, that's a, man, I'm, I'm actually kind of mind blown. That's, that's really yeah. ingenious. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just going to say here, I, I, I'm on your 60 inch club website right now. And if you go into, uh, just for folks that might want to see some of these hunt videos for free that you've got, if you, uh, if you scroll to the bottom of the website and then go, uh, to more and then frequently ask questions and there's starter gear list field two hunt videos and jet boat, something or other. And then uh, if you click on hunt videos, then you've got your whole list, uh, epic moose hunt, brush thrashing bulls, Western Arctic caribou hunting head to head with giant bears caribou hunting at caribou lake and rams in the mist which two of those mm. i have on dvd at home believe it or not wow you actually yeah, got those got, videos 
<laughs> no, my dad had them in a box somewhere. And after we started working together, he said, Troy Sessions, I think I've got a couple of DVDs by him from back in the day. So my dad had a couple of your DVDs and he, he nice. gave them to me to watch. So Wow, yeah. that's cool. I like that. Yeah, way, <laughs> way back in the old Stony Wolf days. Yo, has, uh, has, has that, has that, has that best of the West crew ever, uh, gone on a hunt through 60 inch club? Not through 60 inch club, but when I was part of their television show, we, um, they came up here and we were, they sent some of their cameramen up with me and, and, and gals yeah. and we, and we went out on uh, a moose hunt, me and Lat Durance, and that was a big episode. And then we went on a dull sheep hunt up, um, up mm-hmm. in the Iowa, I can't say exactly where, but we went on a dog sheep sure. hunt. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was a good hunt. Um, Did he we shoot a grizzly a bear, bear on that hunt too? No. Uh, then we went on a big no. on that on a bear hunt um, okay. together, um, and we ended up okay. uh, not getting a grizzly. And uh, it was uh, my wife ended up getting a black bear and ended up being you know mm. a black bear hunt. So mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, very okay. cool. Very cool. Yeah. 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 I enjoy watching all those old hunting videos, man. That, that is, uh, that's what gets me through some of the evenings sometimes here in the wintertime. I just like pouring over old hunt films and mm. trying to get excited for when the snow all melts, but yeah, 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 that's, <laughs> that's fun stuff. So after a while, you know, it's just, again, you know, I used to sell those videos for many years in all the stores, but at some point in time, you know, I just yeah. decided I'm just going to give them away for free. People yeah. can watch them all they want, and I've got so much enjoyment of sharing those those mm-hmm. hunting and hunts uh, DVDs with people over the years. That if I can yeah. keep doing that for free and help somebody else out, and then cool, I'm really happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's the um, kind of just the the joy of actually just sharing the story and and getting getting that knowledge out there. Yeah, that's uh, so one thing I I, I kind of wanted to ask you about. So we like to talk to anybody that spent a lot of time in the woods um we'll often ask them about their experiences re- regarding bears mm. um, because we get several questions to the show several questions in person people talking about you know what their kind of biggest holdup is and if they're not from an area with bears or they haven't spent a lot of time around them um it can be a very kind of intimidating factor that you're hunting moose in the same place that there's you know nine foot grizzlies or something like that um so you know and we've all given our opinions on that we've talked to uh like jeff lund down there mm-hmm. in southeast yep you know and he said you know basically he doesn't even take it into consideration that they're there anymore because they're just not really a problem right um and you know and the the thing we try to preach to most people as long as you're smart as long as you're um you know aware and conscious then you're you're probably not going to end up in an, any kind of trouble but you know and i was watching one of your videos actually just the other day uh it was about different rifles, different calibers. Yeah. And you were talking about the 300, 300 Win Mag, 4570, and all that. Um, and talking about how one thing to take into consideration um, is with your caliber choice when you come to hunt in Alaska is that if you get into a situation with a bear, you want a caliber that's big enough to handle that situation too. Right. Which is, it is something that I take into consideration heavily whenever I'm picking out what caliber I'm going to be hunting with. Mm-hmm. Um, but what kind of uh, bear experiences have you had up here in Alaska? Oh, I've had some pretty good ones. I've had several tents tore into and 
but mostly when I was gone, and I'm, and that's a good thing because I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, those bears they they know when you're in that tent, mm-hmm. and I'm going to, and also I'm going to go as far as say when you're sitting in your bear stand, they know you're there. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I've never had a a bear try to get into my tent when I was in it, not even mm-hmm. remotely. I've had them right next to my tent, grizzly bears, um, mm-hmm. and I stepped out of the tent. Um, under the wing of my plane and had him at gunpoint with my 500 Smith and Wesson pointed at him. He's standing on two feet. And, <laughs> and I, I can tell you, you don't need any Red Bull after something like that happens to you. Cause you're right. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but, but what drew him there was, uh, <laughs> what drew him there was we had a, we had killed a bull um, the day prior in the evening and we had opened him up and he was out there cooling and we were going to go break him apart and the wind blew that, you know, from that moose through camp up the mm-hmm. valley and it, it drew that bear in and he had to come through our camp to get there. And so we, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we had a standoff for about what seemed like a minute, but more likely it was a, probably about 15 seconds. And, uh, again, um, uh, the bear didn't want me. He just wanted to go eat that moose and he did. And I've got countless stories where I'm fishing, you know, for salmon and, 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 uh, and trout and, you know, sows with cubs and they didn't care about me at all. They wanted the salmon and the trout. Or, I mean, they wanted the salmon right. that was in the river. It wasn't me. So I haven't ever come across as an area where I had a mean bear, mm. um, at all on any of my, my hunts. But if you're ever going to run into a situation like that, it's going to be when you're on your moose breaking it apart yeah. right. or you're, yeah. or you're going back to get that extra quarter. And I mm-hmm. tell, I tell every one of our guys do not leave each other alone. Don't I mean, I've done it so many times where I've thought, man, that was so stupid. And then we hear about these, those two guys a few years ago that yeah. one left yeah. the other guy to, to haul yeah. a quarter depth down and then he came back and his, his buddy, he already was gone. It was pet passed and barely yeah. got him. So now I tell story. everybody, very sad. So if you're ever going to get in trouble, it's going to be over your gut pile or, or the next day going out and get those, the last bit of meat out of there or the, that mm-hmm. antler, the antlers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, my buddy I, and I ended up in that situation a few years ago. We had bears. These two bears were circling us while we were taking his moose apart. Wow. And they were just black bears, but it was still, it was like, you know, you want to keep an eye on them. They might be smaller than grizzlies, but they can still, they can still goof you up. I'm a little chance, more. So. I'm more weary of a black bear than I am a grizz. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause they'll, I mean, they look small enough and they can, they'll call, they'll, they'll come right up to you almost. And then mm-hmm. they are <laughs> way stronger than you are and you don't realize it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot more bear, black bear attacks yeah. in, in the United States than there are grizzly bear attacks. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think people kind of underestimate them, like you said. You know, they, they don't seem as intimidating uh, just because of their size difference, and I, they're not nearly as vocal most of the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if they're if they're uh, acting out aggressively, then, then they can become more vocal, and they'll start huffing at you and, yeah. and making some noise. But a lot of times, man, those black bears are just timber ghosts. Mm-hmm. They just slip in and out of the mm-hmm. woods, and you don't hear them, you don't see them. Grizzly bears are a lot more like likely to just make themselves known right if you're at a bear bait and a black bear walks in there are a lot of times that uh that, that you're not even going to see him or hear him coming in until he's at that bait Crunching i mean, I mean um, food, yeah. you, you hear it all the time people
somebody reading their book and then yeah. you look mm-hmm. up and there's a bear yeah. there. I, <laughs> I've had it happen many, many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with grizzly bears, man, you'll, you'll hear them coming coming up the hill 15 minutes before he even gets there, it yeah. feels like. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. <laughs> just every step, they're just making some noise. You know, I've, I've, totally I've called them in. I've called them in on a cow call, doing cow calls for moose. And you, mm. I heard this huffing and puffing. And I'm like, I looked at my buddy and I go, my buddy Glenn, I'm up in the tree stand. <laughs> I looked down at him. And I'm like, <laughs> what is that? No way. We're <gasps> up in the trees. And I finally said, uh, and then all of a sudden this big grizzly stood up. And I went, oh my mm. gosh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, why don't you quickly go over um, kind of what you guys, so what people can, um, you know, expect from your, your different levels. I know you've got multiple levels of, of hunting assistance that you, you do at 60 inch club, yeah. um, for when people end up in these situations. Um, what, so like from the full, full access package to the, the planners and the, you know, I, I know you, you, you'll just help people plan a hunt sometimes. Um, so go, go to like those different levels there. So we have our, our location hunt planners, and those are locations that you can go to, and you can go to the, that page, and you can read about it and watch the videos of the hunts there. And then we have, mm-hmm. then we started getting a lot of people asking about, hey, can you, I got ideas about this. I want to go hunt this river. I want to go do that. And I thought, well, um, okay, so um, let's offer a full access. We'll give you all the training stuff, all the training videos, and then you'll have one-on-one full access to me whenever you want to call leading up to your hunt from when you purchase that to leading up to your hunt i will personally go over um your your destiny your, your destination and your route and your river and your myself as if i'm going to hunt it myself i mean i'm truly looking at if i'm going to hunt this how would i do it and i go mm-hmm. over that i put it on a video i pull in google earth on a, into the video i film my, my computer screens what i do I use my cursor to point things out, special things. You know, look right here. There's a, you can see where a moose crossed the, the lake right here. You see the tracks? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're okay, so we know there's a moose there. And I go over that with these guys. I go over the hunting regulations, and um, I even call area biologists, and I, and I talk to them, and I'm like, hey, so what's, you know, what is it over here, unit 19 or 16, or, you know, what's going on over here? And, and then I can get their, their value. They might tell me, hey, they had a big burn there you know, last year, it might be good in about two years, but right now it's not. And so I go over, I have that's full access and the people that they want that little X that, well, it's actually a big deal. It's like Mm. somebody giving you, it's like farmer John saying, Hey, I got a big buck in my field. He's not on the, he's not on the West side of the field. He's not over on the North side. He's South right next to the river. There's a stand there. You'll get him if you go right there. That's, that's, that's the difference between success and, and a camping trip quite often. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's right. You know, and I go over everything. If they, they want to know clothing, they want to know rafts, they want to know how fast the river's going, you know, how, how far is, long is the float going to be. I go over everything that I would need to do, do it myself. And then I give mm. them all that information. And they download it. They download it to their phones. And they can take that with them out in the field along with my training. All my training courses they can, is downloadable when you buy it. And you're out in the field and you can say, well, Annie, man, it's slow right now. I'm not calling nothing in. I'm doing something wrong. Oh, wait, I got that video of Troy doing it. How does he do it? So then you can even practice out in the field. And that came from me 
being a new moose hunter back in 1996, 7, 8 to 2000-ish, being out in the field, spending all that time off of work to go moose hunting, and I'm not doing well. And I had no one to talk to. I had no downloadable videos. And so that came into play. How could I help somebody like me back in the day to pull out a successful hunt when it looks pretty bleak? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And, and what, what kind of price point are, are you looking at for these services? I and how do those compare to, to other services in the industry, you know? Well, so, I mean, the full access is really pretty darn cool because just the training program alone is 1800 bucks, just to get mm-hmm. the training courses. And then the full access is, eight, I think, $1,800. And you get me along with, yeah. you know, whenever you call, I'm going to answer the phone and all the training courses all mm-hmm. the way leading up to when you're going to take off. And if I have any pilots that I know about, commercial licensed pilots that I know about that, can, that uh, might need have an opening and then I can push you in that direction. But you want to show up with me about on the full access to having a, already having a location in mind and where you want to go. And then I'll go in and do a deep dive into it, Google earth it, research it, and then yeah. help you the best way I can to pull up. I mean, I, I can fly over areas and go, yep, that's, that's a good moose spot. Yeah. Um, and I just, I know what I'm looking for now. And I just know. And I, I'm like, well, that's, that's a bunch of dead water right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no going to be any moose there. So that, that's what we have. You have the full access. And uh, um, we have, uh, okay. uh, and then so we got the, the, the hunting locations, the full access. And then uh, you could actually just download some of the courses. And then along gotcha. with that is you can have, we got the meat bags that we can go over with you and help you out in the rafts and then mm-hmm. give you an idea of maybe bringing your own raft. Yeah. And it's, it's cool that they can, you know, you guys offer a lot of, a lot of other factors as far as, uh, you know, them being able to rent stuff from you and, and set things up. So, mm-hmm. um, all that's really cool. And again, um, you know, all that information is on your website. They're correct. So the 60 inch club. That's correct. Yeah. That's right, correct. Cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, every, you can go to 60hclub.com and uh, check out everything we have. And you can go to the web, to YouTube and see everything we got for free as well. And, and uh, you know, that can help you out a lot. And we even have a free, go on to uh, 60hclub.com. And it's a starter kit and it's free. How to get started, mm-hmm. where to start looking and forums and, and all those kind of things. But yeah, mm-hmm. okay. bet. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, well, cool. um, hopefully... Uh, you guys have all enjoyed listening. Uh, Troy, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, it's been getting a little late, and, you know, we all have families. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, well, I we have, appreciate, uh, appreciate uh, all of you, and thank you for inviting me on the show today. And, and boy, I am, you know, like a hunter, I can talk for hours with you guys. And then I, if you ever want to have me <laughs> back on here, I can, there's a lot more to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. Well, we've got probably, several episodes worth that we can do um probably yeah. all in one sitting if i know us so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. but yeah so thank you so much um so people can find you on youtube instagram on your website and uh yeah. and all 60 inch club if you just search that up there right so uh, you guys have a facebook yeah we are actually okay. facebook yeah. uh our website facebook and youtube um it's probably your okay. best bet okay. and you can get a hold of us on any one of those platforms it's been a pleasure i, I gotta tell you and i'm a hunter and i can i can talk all night long but uh, thank you so much again and 
and uh, you know, safe travels. And let's get circle back and do this again. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening to the show. If you uh, if you have any questions about anything we talked about today, you can reach out to the Northern Hunter at our either of our socials. If you search um, at the Northern Hunter on either Facebook or Instagram, you'll find us there. Uh, we love answering questions, and um, so if you would like to, uh, we also have an email. If you go to the website, thenorthernhunter.com, then we have a contact button there you can email us at. Um, and while you're there, if you would like to um, support us, you can go through our shop page where we've got hats, hoodies, and t-shirts. We've been seeing people uh, buying some of that. It's always really appreciated. And we've also got our partners page, one of which is Troy here with the 60-inch club. So there is a discount code. Any of the services that he talked about today, and then actually even a couple that we didn't talk about, um, Troy has stuff you can buy for your hunt. He has rental equipment for your hunt. He has the hunt plans like he was talking about here. And he has given us a pretty decent discount code for you guys. So yeah. the um, yeah. if you go there, you'll get a good percentage off anything if you use code the Northern Hunter at checkout. Make sure you check that out. Um, like he was talking about, if there's any chance of you coming up here and and getting just the moose of your dreams, it, it's really with the expertise of someone like Troy. So yeah. uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next week, get out there, get after it. Good luck. We'll see you there. Everybody knows that one of the most important pieces of a hunter's kit is their knife. Whether you're looking for a fleshing blade, a skinning blade, or just a quality, multi-purpose knife for the backcountry, Yukon River Knives has what you need. They offer blades such as the Hunter, Small Game, and the Sendero Bush Knife. Yukon River Knives is based in Texas and has a unique mission goal in that a percentage of all knife sales go to support a missionary in Alaska. Now Dalton, you've experienced with these knives in the field. Talk to us about that. As a matter of fact, I have used a few of their knives and watched my good friend Remy use them for years with great results. They have a micarta handle that doesn't get slippery when it gets wet, and they have phenomenal edge retention for long skinning jobs. Go check out our web link on thenorthernhunter.com and that'll take you directly to Yukon River Knives website to see their full selection and order your knives for your next hunt with the discount code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout. And remember, nothing replaces a quality hunting knife. Thank you.